David writes in Psalm 139, Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. Even there, wherever that there may be, Jesus says to each and every one of you, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. May the Holy Spirit speak these words to our anxious and troubled hearts and replace it with his calm and peace. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, last week as we began our series on miracles, we saw Jesus feed the 5,000. We saw his great compassion, his compassion and love that led him to take care of and provide for the people, both body and soul. And we saw how Jesus' compassion is still shown to us today as he continues to feed us with everything that we need for both body and soul now and for all of eternity. Today, we turn our attention to Jesus walking on the water, and we see his authority. And as we look deeper into this miracle, we'll see Jesus' authority and how that applies to our lives today as well. Here in Matthew's gospel, Jesus' authority is very significant here at this point. At the end of chapter 13, remember that Jesus found nothing but unbelief and dishonor in his own hometown. And then here at the beginning of chapter 14, his own cousin, John the Baptist, loses his head and is killed. Things are not going well for Jesus. They're not going well for his disciples either. And so it's kind of reasonable to imagine that his disciples here were maybe wondering at the extent of Jesus' authority the extent of his power. So our text for today follows immediately after Jesus feeds the 5,000. He provided compassionately for those who were hungry, and he sent his disciples away in a boat while he dismissed the crowds. And he continues then by finally getting some alone time with his heavenly Father. Remember from last week, that's what he wanted to do, but the crowds had had gathered and made it unable for him to have that alone time to grieve the death of his cousin John the Baptist. But here he finally gets that alone time with his Heavenly Father in prayer. And so it's not until early the next morning, probably somewhere between 3 and 6 a.m., that the real action in our text today begins. Jesus walks to the disciples on the sea. And their reaction, I think, is very understandable, right? It's one of fear, one of terror. They're confused. They thought it was a ghost. They thought it was a phantom, which is a very similar reaction to what we see when Jesus appears to his disciples in the upper room on Easter evening in Luke chapter 24. And certainly the reaction here, the, the disciples could hardly be blamed. Jesus hadn't told them he was going to come to them walking on the water. He hadn't promised that. He just simply showed up walking on the water in the middle of the night. Which maybe is why he doesn't chastise them here. Instead, he speaks to them some great words of encouragement. He says, take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. And with that, Peter opens his big mouth and he asks a question. 
maybe even a, a challenge to Jesus. Doubting Jesus' words of assurance, Peter here wants some concrete evidence. And Jesus obliges and, and uh, tells Peter to come to him. And so Peter accepts the invitation. He steps out of the boat. And what happens? That fear rises up again. A doubt rises up again. And Peter begins to sink. Which leads him to call out again to Jesus. And this time Jesus responds immediately reaching out his hand and taking hold of the sinking Peter. But then he also has some words for Peter. He said, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? Today I want us to put ourselves in Peter's shoes here. Because if we're truly honest with ourselves, we must confess that that very same thing could be said of each and every one of us. O you of little faith, why did you doubt? Certainly from time to time, we have our doubts about who Jesus is, about what he's doing, about how he's active in our lives. Is he really who we say we believe he is? Can he really do the things we believe he can do? Yeah, his words of assurance are nice, but can they really be trusted? Can they really be trusted when the times get tough, really tough? Peter's lack of faith in Jesus manifested itself in great fear. And the very same thing is true for us as well. When Jesus promises to rule over all creation, he promises that he will deliver us from adversity and provide for all of our needs. But we don't always see that, do we? Or at least we don't always see it the way we want to have it happen. Because of that, it leads us to doubt. It leads us to fear. And as you know full well, fear is a very, very powerful emotion. Fear leads us into all kinds of foolishness. And so what is causing you to fear today? Which promises of Jesus are you struggling to believe in? To what kinds of foolishness is your fear leading you to? Certainly, as we look at this world all around us, there's all kinds of things that lead us to fear. Financial instability, things going on in in politics and government, the pandemic. The list could go on and on, right? what, What about you specifically? What is specifically causing you to fear today? Now, whatever it is, whatever is causing you to fear, we have good news for you today. The good news is that in the midst of this world filled with fears, is that we have the very same word of God that is said to the disciples today. Take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. The wonderful thing to to take note of there is that when Jesus says, it is I, that's the the Greek ego eimi, the I am. It's the divine name, Yahweh. Jesus here identifies himself as the creator who has all power and all authority in heaven and earth. And therefore, where Jesus is, there is calm, there is peace, even in the midst of storms. 
Come, Lord Jesus, be our guest. Those are not just simply words of the common table prayer, but rather they are the prayer of a people in need. People like you and me who live in total dependence upon Jesus' promise to be with us always, even and especially in the storms of life, just like the disciples were facing. Because we will continue to face storms, there's no doubt about it. I mean, certainly it would be nice if being a Christian meant that we'd be exempt from all the problems and struggles that come along in life. But Jesus tells us in John 16, 33, I'm telling you all these things because in this world you will face troubles. But take heart. Again, Jesus says, take heart, for I have overcome the world. And so Jesus comes to us, just as he came to the disciples on the boat. Unasked for, sometimes unrecognizable, but always, always with his authority. And with his power. Jesus walking on the sea gave them a glimpse of that power and authority. His resurrection from the dead sealed the deal. And his promise to return will provide that final assurance. Until then, he continues to come to us with that very same power and authority. It comes to us through his word, where the Holy Spirit is active to strengthen our faith in him. He comes to us in, in the Holy Supper, where he feeds and nourishes us with his very own body and blood for the forgiveness of our sin and the strengthening of our faith. He comes to us in the words of absolution, where we hear our sin forgiven, washed away, to give us peace, to give us confidence, to give us courage in the midst of this world that is so filled with things that cause us to fear. So with all that in mind, we can worship Jesus without fear. And that's not just a Sunday morning thing, but it's an everyday thing throughout our lives as we live under his grace, as we live uh, under his authority, knowing and trusting in his promises for us. And so brothers and sisters in Christ, take heart. Your Lord and Savior is with you and will continue to be with you, now and forevermore. Amen.